Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. As we enter into this first Sunday in the season of Lent, we are focusing on the seven different statements that Jesus said upon the cross. And therefore, our scripture reading is from Luke 23, starting in verse 26 and going through verse 34. As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs who have never bore and the breasts who have never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, one on his right and the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. This is the word of the Lord. One of the values of our church community is uh, we value authenticity and sincerity. Uh, We believe that God did not choose just a few people to bear his name and share his message, but God has given all of us a story. What Jesus did when he gathered and called people is he called all, uh, common, ordinary people to, to, to know him, to follow him. Therefore, one of the values of our church is that uh, we believe that all of us in our community have a story to share. So to live that out, we enjoy having people from within our church share sermons and messages. And today we have Andrew Fike, who's going to share our sermon this morning. I met Andrew when he was 18 years old at at Baylor University, moving into Penland Hall. He's a dear friend, and I believe he has a unique perspective for us, uh, especially on this morning with this message. So would you welcome Andrew with me? Good morning, everyone. What a week it's been, huh? You guys doing okay out there? See a couple hats, not too many. What a long and wild week it's been to uh, think about the amount of energy and stress and phone calls I made to my father-in-law and to so many of you out there starting to think about how to keep my house warm, how to keep our pipes from freezing, what to do if they do break, do we have enough milk, do we have enough eggs, what road should I drive on, night two, where should my family sleep, how to turn the water heater back on, that was fun this morning. Um, It has been such a wild week. I remember thinking that March last year felt like a year, and to think that it was topped by one week in February, just 11 months later. I do want to dedicate my sermon today, though, to the McCord family. They let me shower last night, and I said I would dedicate this to them, so there's that. Uh, For those of you I've not met, my name is Andrew. My family and I have been attending the Vine for almost four years now, and this morning, I am excited to kick off a new series for the season of Lent. In this series, we're going to be examining seven statements from Jesus on the cross. 
But first, a little explanation on what Lent is. There's actually a, a church calendar, and within it, there are seasons. And Lent is one of the seasons. And like Advent is to Christmas, Lent is a season of reflection. It's 40 days long, leading up to the Holy Week of Easter. Lent is a season of reflection on our own mortality. It's a moment to pause and consider the reality that from ashes we have been brought into this world and to ashes we will again return. It sounds pretty dark and grim, I know, and it actually is. But as Mark told me last year, our own mortality, it's meant to wake us up. It's meant to be a jolt, a change in pace. It's a season to help us see more through the lens of God's kingdom and less through the lens of our own world. It's designed to reorder our comforts and our priorities. After the week we've had, I don't know about you guys, but I didn't expect my comforts to be disrupted this much in five days in as I've been shoveling buckets of melted snow into our toilets. And so we begin today a new seven-week series this Lent by observing the death of Jesus and the words he spoke from the cross. As we study these words this week and the weeks to come, we are given insight into the alternative wisdom of God's kingdom. Paul, in his letter to the Corinthians, says it like this, The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are being destroyed, but it is the power of God for those of us who are being saved. The cross is a powerful message. It's the culmination of Jesus' ministry. It is a political symbol and a political message for how we as God's people are to exist and to be in our world today. Today, we reflect on Luke's statement, or on Luke's account of Jesus' statement, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke 23, as we heard earlier, it depicts a level of forgiveness that cuts beneath the ordinary understanding of forgiveness that we have, and instead it provides us with an alternative kingdom perspective on forgiveness. While the Bible has a fair share of teachings on how to forgive, who to forgive, why to forgive, the extent to which we are to forgive, this story here, it gives us a real example of Jesus forgiving. In a raw appeal to the Father while being placed on the cross, we have in the statement a very tangible and real request for Jesus to forgive his enemies. I believe also in this statement, Luke is painting a, a bigger picture of the Christ figure whose great mission and purpose is on display. To understand the scope of Jesus' request, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, I think it's helpful to just back up a bit and see the context for which Luke paints this picture and sets the scene. The scene is set when a member of Jesus' inner circle betrays him. He notifies those against Jesus of his location. An officer comes to arrest Jesus, and his closest friends take action. They actually draw weapons. They cut the ear off one of the guards who came to arrest Jesus, and Jesus halts the resistance. He commands his followers to stop, and he goes to the guard who's injured, and he heals him. I think this is important. From start to finish, nonviolence is the way of Jesus. While being detained, Jesus is humiliated, beaten, mocked. Those behind the capture of Jesus were the religious leaders themselves. They gathered the crowds and the masses to grow in passion, and they persuaded the political leaders of their time to sentence Jesus to death. Jesus was too weak to carry his own cross to his execution site, yet he still provided comfort to the few followers who were on the path. He was then crucified along with two criminals. And this is where we hear these words, Father, 
forgive them, for they know not what they're doing. One method that we have to study the scriptures, these magnets are tough to navigate here. One method we have to study the scriptures is to hold the scripture up like a mirror, to hold it up and to look into it and to see where we see ourselves reflected back, to see where we see ourselves challenged or encouraged or inspired. What characters do we resonate with? What, what sides and vantage points do we feel like we need to hear today? I think if we do that with this passage today, there's, there's two main elements that I see. There's one, there's those who are on the side of needing forgiveness. There is an element of vulnerability, of exposure, when we realize that we are the ones in need of forgiveness. On the other side, there's the example of Jesus who forgives. He forgives those who wronged him. Forgiveness is it's something that is actively extended outward. Perhaps you may feel drawn or you may resonate with one of these sides today or maybe both, but we're going to focus on both of these, both the exposure of forgiveness and the extension of forgiveness as we reflect on Jesus's words from the cross. So let's begin first with the exposure. As we look together, there's a notion of those who Jesus forgave. As I've been thinking about this story of a group being forgiven, a few things stand out to me. One is that forgiveness, the forgiveness God extends to us, it is vast. It is wide. It encompasses a lot considering we see Jesus forgive the religious leaders and the political leaders, those who ordered his very own death. This is good news for us today. If Jesus extends forgiveness to this crew, this group of people with these circumstances, this is good news for us because none of us are beyond the grace and the forgiveness of Jesus. May we hear this today. May we hear today that Jesus' forgiveness, it is big enough for our brokenness, our sin, our struggles. The other thing about forgiveness that stood out to me is that the forgiveness of Jesus exposes the wrongdoer. The religious leaders, the Roman politicians, and all of those involved in Jesus' death were told that they were not even aware of their misdeeds, yet Jesus had the capacity to extend forgiveness. Here's where in the story, I think this is a challenge to the reader to learn from these, this crew, to learn to not be them, to have wider eyes, to have more awareness. For us, I believe our mission as we follow Jesus is to be humble enough to self-reflect often on the actions and inactions of our lives. Where are we in need of forgiveness? Where might we be unaware that we need to be awakened to? Exposure is not easy for anyone. There's a natural inclination we have that we must fight to avoid our pain, our brokenness. But as we grow in our ability to be vulnerable, we can take refuge that there is no deed, no secret, no addiction, no sin outside the boundaries of God's ability to forgive. Therefore, one of our challenges for Lent as we examine the cross is to trust God with all of our lives. Not just the good, not just the pretty. It's to rend ourselves, as Mark shared on Ash Wednesday, which means that we open ourselves up and we're vulnerable. It means exposing not just the good and the pretty, but the broken and the fractured as well. At my wedding, 
we had a passage read from Romans 12, and it says, love must be sincere. And this word sincere comes from a Latin word that has an etymology of without wax. This idea without wax comes from pottery. As pottery was sold, you would often buy pots that had wax on them because ancient pots, would, they would crack and they would chip. And you wouldn't want to buy a pot that was cracked or chipped. It would be a pretty bad purchase. So this idea of buying a pot without wax meant you were buying a very special, authentic pot. For our love to be with, with, without wax means that we are exposed, we're vulnerable, we're raw. To love without wax means that we're choosing to love one another authentically, brokenness, chips, cracks, and all. We love with sincerity in that we don't have to be perfect and put together for our love to be strong for one another. This is how God loves us. Perhaps as part of our reflection for Lent, it is to pause Ask God to expose us where we are in need of forgiveness. As those in our story were unaware even of that to which they were in need of forgiveness, perhaps our starting point is to ask God for exposure. Perhaps a part of our Lenten reflection this year would be to come to God vulnerable and authentic, knowing that God's love is unconditional and it's transformative to all who come. The second side, the second vantage point for us to see ourselves or to be inspired by is to look at the side of Jesus who extends forgiveness out. While it's clear that the forgiveness Jesus offers, it is radical and it is extreme in nature. What I found most compelling was how opposite this posture is to the ordinary ways, to the ordinary wisdom of the way in which our world operates. In a world which accepts the return of violence for violence, Jesus ends this cycle of violence and he extends peace. In a world that values the notion of you bomb us and we bomb you, or you threaten me and I threaten you, Jesus doesn't have a retaliation. He doesn't have an insult to return. He doesn't use a threat or use force. He does not even speak ill of those who are killing him. This very act of extraordinary forgiveness when stood up against our culture's values, if we're honest, it would be seen as a sign of weakness today. But if we reflect on the cross, the events leading up to it, the audacity to forgive those who incited his execution, we will know that this was not a weak and passive response at all. Jesus didn't just weakly take abuse and not stand for justice. When we understand that the power Jesus embodied, when we know the sacrifice he made to endure the cross, the shame, the separation, and he did this all, to extend love and redemption and reconciliation to those who are broken, those who are separated. The forgiveness Jesus displays here, it is alive, it is active, it is powerful. As I think about today, the anger that exists, the grudges in our country, in my own life, in my own mind today, I wonder what it would look like to stand up and to courageously forgive. When in the future there are felt injustices that we see causing harm or a perspective or a position that we don't agree with, instead of fighting back with a returned insult, instead of harboring ill thoughts in our hearts and our minds, or instead of having the same arguments with family members at the dinner table, or instead of trash-talking a stranger on social media that we don't even know, 
What if instead we employed a type of forgiveness that led to actual productive compassion and love? What if we employed actions that gave way to reconciliation for the causes that we stand for? What if instead of putting our energy towards hate, we extended ourselves into places where we feel there is need and injustice? The thing is, is there seems to be a weight we carry when we're unable to forgive, when we're unable to move past hate, when we can't move this and extend forgiveness, we can offer fester in our own self-righteousness, anger, and pain. When we continue to play the game of fighting back, when we continue to hurl another insult or block the other side without engagement, we continue to carry that weight. Are we festering in anger right now? Jesus doesn't seem to play this game. Jesus' love is extended, even to his enemies, even to the people of a different status, a different affiliation, even before forgiveness was requested by the perpetuators themselves. Are you in this back and forth game right now? What would it look like this Lent to stop playing that game? What would it look like this Lent to extend ourselves towards what we believe and know to be just and right in the world? What would it look like to extend forgiveness to others, even to our enemies and those who are different from us? I want to conclude with a personal story that has involved my own exposure, my need for forgiveness. It's been a season of exposure and extension these past few years. It's been quite a long journey, and I'm still on this journey. And it started in a work meeting. I work at an organization, a nonprofit in town called LifeWorks. We serve youth and young adults who are at risk of homelessness and who are in vulnerable situations. In a meeting, a colleague brought up a challenging circumstance. They were talking about a situation where someone was disproportionately um, impacted. And in this meeting, I happened to have a friend I hadn't seen in a while, and I wasn't paying attention. I was having a side conversation. I was not being respectful in the moment. Later that day, a different colleague came up to me. She told me she was disappointed in me. As a leader, as a white man in our agency, someone that had power and authority, that I didn't use those things to help. It's really hard to be called out. It was really humbling. I look back at that time and I can say that this call out is something that continues to challenge and encourage me. It began a journey of learning and processing. It was very much a time of rending, of exposure. It's been a season of being opened up. Historically, before this moment, to be honest, I felt uh, exempt from the guilt of racism. I felt that way because I thought racism was a personal moral issue. It was reserved for those who had hate, who discriminated actively. I was a good person. I cared about all people. I didn't see color. I said things like that. I've been fortunate to learn from these colleagues. I've been fortunate for my work to give me training and to have all the events that have uh, um, unfolded in our country to have a reckoning and awakening that racism is much more complex than just a personal moral issue. It is systemic. It is a societal structural issue. It is quite complex. The very fact that skin color 
has factors that determine one's life expectancy, education opportunities, income opportunities, employment opportunities, one's risk of poverty, one's risk of homelessness in our own city. These factors, and you can go on and on with the statistics, these factors aren't because of personal moral issues of a few people having hate in their heart. This exists because we live in systems that are designed to benefit some at the expense of others. And therefore, I have a part to play. Through my exposure to this reality, I've learned that I have a part to play in using my privilege, my power, my opportunities to share and empower and encourage and to listen to those whose society does not advantage like me. This growth and this learning, they all started by getting called out, by being humbled. For a long time, as I was learning and wrestling with these new truths about systemic racism, the common response was, I don't know what to do. What now? What does this mean? And while I still frequently ask this question, I've started to grow just a little bit more confident in how I can extend outward. It's small things. It looks like listening more elevating the voices and the experience of the clients that we serve at work and the staff that work with those clients. It's creating more spaces and meetings to pause, to allow people to share how they're processing and experiencing the world events that are happening around us. What I've learned from this is people's experiences are very different than mine. This journey of learning about racial injustice and inequality has made me more aware of my privilege of where I need to reflect and seek forgiveness. In hindsight, this may seem a little dramatic and a little silly, but this past week, as temperatures were in the single digits and as our power was out, it started fun as we cuddled by the fire, but waking up the next morning in an increasingly cooling house with kids that started coughing with rosy cheeks, there was an element of genuine concern for my family's safety. I realize also how privileged I am that I have not had this feeling much in my life. That was a rare feeling for me. And I can look back at that moment and I can also say I had everything I needed. I had safety nets, I had backup plans. Experiencing that unfamiliar concern makes me that much more compelled to extend outward, especially considering there are so many in our community that feel that concern on a regular basis, not just during this crazy week that we had. I have in no way arrived, nor do I believe I ever will, but I continue to grow in my awareness and exposure of the social dilemma we've inherited in our communities. And also, I continue to grow in my own awareness to the social calling we have in Jesus to extend out, to harmonize these sides of exposure and extension, to bring these things together like the inhale and the exhale. To do that, this is our mission as followers of Jesus. And there's no greater example to us than Jesus himself. Jesus on the cross displays not just an act of forgiveness towards others, but he models for us an inability to be exposed. Upon the cross, Jesus embodies the full human condition of vulnerability, isolation, and rejection. At the same time, it's from this humble place that Jesus' power to overcome and redeem humanity is made manifest. Jesus endured the cross in order to extend forgiveness. 
to end the game of retaliation, to pay the price for injustice and brokenness that we all experience in this world. As we are in the early moments of our Lenten season, may we, Vine Church, be mindful of our own exposure, of our shortcomings, of our brokenness, of our cracks. May we have an awareness of our need for Christ's love and forgiveness in our lives. In return, may we have the audacity and the courage to extend out forgiveness to others, even to our enemies. May we dwell in God's grace and in so doing, be transformed to give grace. Amen.